Hello, everybody, and welcome to a really exciting episode of Moaning Myrtle's Bathroom. I'm Katie. I'm Emily. And today we are doing our very first book club podcast. We're so excited. We've been ramping up to this. Yeah, so hopefully, hopefully you guys have started reading too. Today we are doing the first half of Sorcerer's Stone, so it'll be from Chapter 1, The Boy Who Lived, through Chapter 9, The Midnight Duel. Hell yeah. We'll be covering today. Well, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. Daisy, you're so cute. (laughs) So... The way that the book club episodes are going to function are going to be a little bit different than normally. Um, We still want to keep the toilet floods, because that's cute. Um, So we're thinking just our favorite part of the section is going to be our toilet flood. Yeah. So that's that's what we'll talk about here. And and that's it. And then we're just going to go through and talk about the book. And we've got... um, some discussion questions compiled and just our own thoughts and whatever on the book. So, I say without further We're ado, let's get started. <laughs> Katie, yes. what's flooding your toilet about this section of the book? My favorite section of this book is the first time that we ever get to go to Diagon Alley. Aww. I really liked that part. It's magical. I forgot that we meet Draco Malfoy in that part in the book. Yeah. And so I really like getting that insight into him. And we don't even learn his name. We yeah. just we just like he's oh, who's this little shit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was really funny. But then just like going into all the shops and picking up the books and getting Hedwig and getting his wand. Oh. Like all of that was just fun to reread. It's so. all good times. That was my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite part of this section? Um, I have to say that my favorite part is, and I'm sure it'll be the same in whatever section we're reading the dueling club in in the next book, um, in the Midnight Duel, when they're talking about, like, all right, you want to fight? Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Midnight sound good? All right, sick. We're doing it. And then I here, and it. then Ron's like, uh, I, I'll, we'll, uh, the second is just in case you die. And then right. they can take over. And here he's like, oh my god. And Ron's like, uh, you'll just shoot sparks at each other. It's just like a dick contest. It cracks <laughs> me it. up. All of these like intense little kid rival feelings just channeled into um, nothing. I know. Because they don't know magic yet. I know. So, it's so funny. It's like We'll so talk funny. about this more as we like get into the books, but it's so funny that Harry and Malfoy both consider each other like their mortal enemies, know, and it's, it's like, so except funny. how about Voldemort, Harry? <laughs> it's so funny. I love I it love so it. much. So anyway, that was like that first little taste again, because that's my favorite part is the is the dueling club in the next one, where they're just like, yeah. I'm gonna tickle you! <laughs> so this is the we'll first taste. They it. can't even do anything. They're just like... They're just shooting sparks just like, at each other. Let's fight. My sparks are I'm brighter than you. yours. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. So stupid. I love it. So I love it. It's the best. So that's what oh, I've been enjoying. That's so funny. That's a good one. I wish that that had been in the movie. <laughs> I know! <laughs> So, should we get started? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Lead us through. So, chapter one, The Boy Who Lived. I, right away, have something that I need to ask here. Okay. Which is, um, I'm just really wondering, like, the way that the timeline works in this first chapter. It's the night previous. This chapter's taking place on November 1st. Yes. 
they've like discussed it. It's like the day. It's like the day after Voldemort's defeat. Yeah, the whole day, and then okay, so like where the fuck was Harry? And then Hagrid saying like I picked him up from the ruins before everybody started going in. It's been a full twenty four hours. Oh, that's a good point. That so where also has he been? Yeah, that also puts into like okay, so then what's the deal with like this is another book. But it also makes me wonder, like, so then what is the, like, timeline for Sirius going after Peter? Yeah. Then. Is he with Harry this whole time? And then and then Hagrid has to pull this baby out of his arms? And then he goes and murders his friend? I've never thought about that before. <coughs> That's such a good point. Where was Harry for the first 24 hours? My dream is that Hagrid just, like, took him to his hut for a little bit and just, like, warmed him up and took care of him before he had to go live with muggles for ten years. Yeah, I don't understand. It's all weird and crazy. So that number one was my question. I was just like, wait, what is going on? Yeah. With the timeline. Why did it take you a full 24 hours to drop this kid off? Yeah. I don't know. So it just seems seems weird. Like, where was this poor kid? Yeah, seriously. Where was this little baby? Okay. Okay. You can keep walking us through. Okay, so summary of the first chapter. The first half of it is really just us getting more of a glimpse into the life of the Dursleys. I like it. Which I really like. It kind of sets the scene, because you kind of know what kind of people they're like before Harry is even, like, Mm -hmm. a part of their life, you know? Yeah, it's good. And it just does a really good job of showing how they feel about wizards. Yeah. What I think is interesting is that this, like, first glimpse that we have of them... I don't know if it was just me, but it seemed like in this first chapter that we see them, um, Vernon is the more sympathetic of the two. Yeah. That's interesting. I noticed it that was this weird time too. Because it definitely flips to being Petunia. Right. Throughout, like, the rest. Yeah. So, but then even, like, even the next time, in the next chapter that we see them, when Harry's ten, like, Vernon sucks ass. Right. So I don't know. I it's don't know. probably it's weird. because like he didn't even really understand like yeah. Petunia's family until he actually had to interact with them. Like, do you think Lily and James ever even met Vernon? Yeah, or I think Or if they definitely. had, they only would have met him like once or twice. So he probably would have just heard more about them from Petunia and been like, oh yeah, she doesn't get along with her sister, and they're like weird because they're magical. But then like he has to live with one of them, and then that just makes the hatred grow yeah. more and more once he actually has to deal with one every mm-hmm. day. And see how much Petunia hates having Harry in the house. That probably yeah. made him more spiteful, too. Huh, 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 huh. That is interesting, though. Yeah, so we get that for the first part of this chapter. And then the second half of it is Dumbledore being dumb and dropping a baby on a doorstep on a chilly night in November. Holy shit. <laughs> Honestly. Like, what What are you doing? That child is going to freeze to death. I. It's November. I really don't... I don't get it. I don't... Uh, I'm breaking. I don't understand how... I know for, like, book purposes it is better... But how would he, why, how, how could he not talk to them in person? Right. I know. It makes no sense to me. It's just the same old manipulative Dumbledore, because instead of him, like, talking to them in person and giving them the chance to say, no, we don't want to, he just, like, drops them on the door to step and is like, here you go. This kid's your problem now. And that's the crazy shit, too, is that, um, like... 
nobody questions it. McGonagall yeah. kind of does, but Dumbledore's like, nope, it's what we gotta do. And she's like, alright. Yeah. <laughs> like, dude. I know. This guy, like, he's he's amazing and wonderful, blah, 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 but he's dropping, like, an infant on a doorstep in the middle of the night. Yeah. And leaving. Right. There's raccoons. I know. <laughs> are there are there raccoons in the oh, UK? Oh, there's got to be some kind of squirrels animal. at least. Yeah. <laughs> Not to mention it's just cold outside. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. I have this dream that McGonagall just like waits until Dumbledore leaves and then takes Harry and like <laughs> yeah raises him as her own. Mm. Yeah, what an asshole. <laughs> So I've got a question here. I've pulled um, from two sources. Number one is um, the Pottermore book club. They did questions every week. Um, So I went and I got all of them so that we could talk about them. Um, So there's that. And then I also, um, Scholastic has um oh, no. <laughs> book club discussion questions for so, like little kids those are written for, I like, picked kids, some fine they? ones okay. I picked some good ones so we'll do some of each so <laughs> one question is for this first bit is uh Pottermore is asking is the wizarding world as secretive as it likes to believe for this first chapter because they're all out and about partying yeah that's a good question I don't think so. Because I go to, like, I don't think they're as secretive as they believe, like, throughout the entire series. Because it's, like, even you get, like, snippets of, like, when Harry's growing up and, like, wizards are just, like, coming up to him and, like, shaking his hand. (laughs) And then walking away. So I'm, like, they're not acting like they're not there. But then, yeah, like, in the opening chapter, they're, like, out in their, like, cloaks there are owls swooping everywhere. They're shooting off, like, they're shooting off sparks. sparks and spells and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Grindelwald was right. I, like, <laughs> freshly coming off of this new movie, I'm like, nobody's being secretive. Colin Farrell told the truth. we got to get out from under the ground. <laughs> They've never believed that in the UK. Like, they kind of have, but, like, they're not as strict about it. Yeah, it's just, like, nobody gives a shit. And even Dumbledore's like, ah, it's fine. They're having fun. They have a lot to celebrate right now. God. That's interesting. I know. It's like this big deal. You have to be so secret, but nobody cares. I know. Nobody cares I in this I feel like you chapter. get glimpses of that in the other books, too. Mm-hmm. It's just like they're not being as careful as they should be. Mm-hmm. Second question comes from Scholastic. In this first chapter, Dumbledore um, really insists on using Voldemort, the name, instead of you-know-who. Yeah. So this question is, why is it important to name a fear and discuss the power in a name? Scholastic! All right! (laughs) To quote, fear of a name only increases fear of the thing itself. (laughs) Exactly. So, yeah, I think that the point of... Honestly, I mean, I'm sure there's some bigger, better life lessons, but specifically, like... Tim Tim wanted it to be this way, so it's a direct fuck you to actually use the name. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, like, he literally says later, like, a name that I knew wizards everywhere would, like, fear to say at yeah. some point. It's a fuck you. Yeah. I'm saying. I'm not scared of you, Tom. <laughs> yeah. 
I know. I think it's good. I do think I still think as we continue to grow and listen, look, we're we can't we can't really play games. We know these books. Like we're right. gonna be talking about all the foreshadowing and stuff going on. Like yeah. we're not gonna play it blind. But, you know, I try and be sensitive about it. Like we shouldn't really be talking too much about the other books while we're talking right. about the first I know. one. But I know. We've already broken that rule so many times. But I, this is why I don't understand, like, why is he even bothering? Like it's showing some form of respect to him when he right. should just be calling him Tom the whole time. But I suppose that's That would be an even too much of a fuck you. I know, but I, I think that that's too much of a spoilery thing. Yeah. You know, at least for the second one. And then after that after that, sometimes he you hear him saying it. He does it, say Tom. But mostly six. I feel like it's mostly like he calls him Tom to his face to make yeah. him mad. But he calls him Voldemort when he's talking about him with other people because a lot of people don't know that he's Tom. That's true. Expose him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that kid that you really liked like 50 years ago, he wasn't that great. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, there were lots of questions in um, lots of different, um, like, library. I was looking on, like, library websites that had little discussion questions for book clubs, and they were more geared towards kids. Um, but there were questions on Scholastic and other ones talking about, like, the power of the name. And, like, there's a lot of quotes, like, J.K. Rowling had a lot of fun with names in this book. <laughs> what are some funny names you heard? Yeah, but, like, <laughs> there were lots of ones that were, like, what do you, like, what did you think? Like, when you hear this name and the way that it sounds, what do you assume about the character? Yeah, and those are good ones. So, like, especially Quirrell, it's two, two qua Q names. Yeah. Um... That you think of, like, quivering, quiet, quaint, yeah. like, whatever, all these kinds that you think of that kind of stuff in, like, Severus Snape. He's a in the dungeons in Slytherin. He's a fucking snake! <laughs> he sucks! His snake sounds snake like for snake. socks! <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you know oh how it God. goes. So it's kind of interesting, the kind of power in a name thing I thought was, right. I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. The last one I have just for this first chapter, it's a two-parter, so we'll get into it with the next one that we go through. Okay. Why does Dumbledore decide to have Harry grow up with the Dursleys rather than anyone else? They said a wizard family, but I say literally anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the second part, which we'll get into, is um, how does this experience build his character? So I guess we should just focus on the first half of that. Yeah. Why does he decide? Well, we know. We know because of the protection and... Yeah. Well, and he also was just like, it's good for him to grow up away from all the attention, all the fame. The celebrity. Yeah. Yeah. But also, Which is a fair point, but why not put him in a house with random muggles and be like, so this kid, his parents just died, and he needs protection, and you guys look like a fine couple. They would have loved him more than his blood relatives would. Mm -hmm. And he had to have known that the Dursleys weren't going to love him like his own, like their own. He had to have known that. He says it in a different book, like, oh, six, right? When he goes to visit them for the first time, he's like, I would have hoped. I'm like, you son of a bitch. You knew they this is a, This is the shit that drives me crazy. It's like, you can say, oh, well, they didn't know. They addressed a million fucking letters to the cupboard under the stairs. Right. They yeah. know where he's at. Like that's, They know how he's they been know. treated. Maybe he didn't know that night, but like he had to have been keeping tabs on him in some way. He would have know. known at some point. Well, it's like big. Yeah. <laughs> and just like him like showing up at Hogwarts and like talking about how awful his relatives were, the very least he could have done is been like, Okay, you don't have to go back. Like 
he could have just let him be with the Weasleys. Like, yeah, he's losing that protection from his mom, but, like, the Weasleys are still fully grown wizards. They'd be able to protect him. I can't stand. I can't stand him. I don't know. I think the reasons aren't good enough. I yeah, okay, either. whatever. It's fine. This kid was abused. Blood stuff, for whatever. 16 years of his life. I think Albus Dumbledore wanted to cool it with the blood magic. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> oh my god. Honestly, okay, so you you have one piece of shit who ruins the Fidelius charm on the Potter's house. That's fine. I don't think the Weasleys would do such a thing, or no. literally anybody else, if you put those protections on it. Oh, I don't either. He had to have known that Sirius was somewhat innocent, too. Like, I feel like he wouldn't have totally believed. Like, he could have, like, helped Sirius right then and there, and then let Harry, like, live with Sirius, too. I feel like he knows so much. Like, would he not have known who the Secret Keeper was? Like, okay, do you know how many families in the Wizarding World would have loved to take care of Harry? If they had heard that Harry fucking Potter is now an orphan and he needs someone to take care of him? Like, any of the Wizarding families in the entire world. Even the Malfoys at that point would have been like, (laughs) sure, we'll raise him. Because they, like, had high hopes for him to be, like, this, like, dark wizard later on. Like, anybody would have done it. I'm losing my mind. (laughs) Oh, what a bad, bad situation. Like, that would have been bad, but I'm just saying, like, they could have easily found a wizarding family. The instances of um, abuse in this book are glaring. I know. It's scary to reread this book and as an adult person and yeah. really understand and see how much abuse Harry has to endure. Not just Harry, too. We'll talk about it later, but I was really shocked by how much abuse Neville goes through in his life, too. And we'll get to that later. I thought you were going to say even Dudley, because he gets hit in the beginning of this book. Yeah. Dudley. I also have some things to say about Draco Malfoy's upbringing, too, but we'll get to that later in this section of the book. Mm -hmm. But yeah, anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. But I mean, I think this is a really good segue into talking about chapter two, Mm -hmm. which is where you really see a lot of the like physical abuse that Harry goes through while he's growing up. It's so much. It's horrifying to see like how abusive it is. And I feel like when you're little, it's kind of like, oh yeah, Harry Potter lived under the cupboard, under the stairs, or in the cupboard, under the stairs. And people like make jokes about it. Like I've seen it in TV shows where people will like point out a cupboard and be like, Harry Potter's under there. But it's like, Mm -hmm. he slept in there for 10 years. That's so sad. An infant child was in there. Was put in a cupboard. That's so sad. Like, why didn't they just shove him into one of the drawers in their kitchen? <laughs> like, the hitting and yelling. And, like, not feeding him? Yeah. Like, whenever he showed magic, they would, like, not feed him? That's horrible. It's not right. So, I think... So, yeah, I guess just chapter two is the vanishing glass. So, it just starts with you seeing how much Harry's life has changed. This is, like, the first time he's been out of the house um, besides going to school. Yeah, ever. It's This is Dudley's birthday chapter. They go to the zoo. He's having a fun time. For a while, he's mm-hmm. having a good time. He gets to, like... I cannot believe the, the that broke my heart. I, I forgot know. about that part. He got to finish it. I was I like, oh, Harry, no! Did they take him out to, like, a restaurant and just, like, not buy him food? At all? 
Was he just sitting at the table without food until Dudley wasn't happy with what he got, so then he got to eat something? It's crazy. This is also a good chapter that just shows, like, how privileged, but also how damaged Dudley is. Yeah. Like, him not having enough birthday presents and, like, throwing a meltdown about it. And just showing, like, how much stuff he has. And he, like, breaks it immediately. And yeah. then his parents just will, like, buy him a new ice cream sundae when the first one didn't have enough ice cream in it. Yeah. Like, it's just a mess. Yeah. Both of these kids are abused by the Dursleys. They don't know yeah. how to take care of children. Just it's just, like, two ways. very severe ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. It's like you get Dudley, who is, like, gets way more than he needs. And then you get Harry, who gets literally nothing. 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 Yeah. Oh. Fuck Dumbledore. I mean, fuck the Dursleys, but, like, fuck Dumbledore. Yeah. Ugh. What a bad, bad, bad. I know, I remember I was, like, horrified at the end of this chapter because it said, like, after the zoo, Harry was, like, put in his cupboard and he literally wasn't let out until after summer holidays had started. And so I looked it up and I was like, when is Dudley Dursley's birthday? And it's, like, in the middle of June. So he was in his (gasps) cupboard for, like, two weeks straight. That's awful. (laughs) Oh no. God. So much. So much stuff. Let me check. I had a little. Some notes on all of the stuff about the abuse. I think it's in the next chapter when. When they. When it's revealed. His magic. Yeah. That. um, That Vernon says that it was nothing a good beating couldn't fix. Yes. <laughs> My god! I know. This book is dark! I think he maybe says that when Hagrid shows up. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. So oh, that's, that's a couple chapters ahead of where we're at. But, like, yeah, that's awful. I made a note of that, too. It's just rough. And, like, even looking forward again, that they just, like, they take glee in leaving uh, an 11-year-old kid alone at a busy train station. Right. To never go back and pick him up. Like, what was the plan there? Because they didn't think it was real. Yeah, so they were just going to let So him they were just going to leave him there forever? Yeah. Like, what is the plan? Right. They're, they drive off laughing. Right. It's all terrifying. It's all terrifying. Yeah. Ugh. It makes you wonder what, like, Vernon's childhood was like. Not great. If he thinks that he can fix all of Harry's quote abnormalities by like beating him yeah then like did his parents do that to him yes absolutely i mean and that's like a time difference thing too is that like growing up in a certain era like it was just acceptable to hit your kids (laughs) right and that was that was a proper way of running the house yeah disciplining your children so that's just it and it comes forward so, I don't know. It's so nasty to me. Yeah, it's all bad. I've got a question here. It may be pushing it a little bit, but we see the instances within this chapter of it being described, all of the magic things that have happened to Harry that he can't mm-hmm. explain and blah, blah, blah. So a question from Pottermore is, why do you think the Dursleys are so afraid of magic? This getting into the next one, too, about all the letters. So Yeah. Well, I mean, we know that Petunia is jealous. Yeah. They also probably don't really understand it. 
Mm-hmm. I think that they don't like... I mean, deep down, the reason is they don't like that there are people who are better than them. Right. When they feel that they're at the very tippy top. Right. Yeah, I think so. They don't like it that there's things they can't do. I that they're Petunia, not allowed to do. It's just, like, the essence of privilege. I feel like Petunia, too, like, as much as she moans and groans and says she hates her sister, she still has seen how dark magic can get and how bad it can get and, like, the bad that can come from it. Because, like, her sister was killed because yeah. of it in the end. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't think she cares about Harry at all. But she's probably worried about, like, that magic being in her house and somehow affecting, like, her family. She should get with Snape if they both care about Lily so much. Oh, my God. <laughs> that would be an interesting couple. <laughs> no. She probably hates him just as much as she hates him. Oh, because, absolutely. Like, he's the one who took her sister away from her. Yikes. He it's wishes. Okay, Petunia, we, all <laughs> we all hate him. <laughs> well, moving forward then. Well, I guess we do, we do need to talk about this uh, beginning instance of Parseltongue showing up and never being discussed again for the yes. whole book. Okay, it was funny to me in the very end of the chapter when Pierce is like, Harry, you were talking to the snake, weren't you? I was like, how would he even know Parseltongue comes out like hissing noises? He would have heard Harry hissing at the snake when he heard him talking to it. This is why the kids at the orphanage thought Tom was the devil. Yeah. I promise you. <laughs> I swear to God, because that would be terrifying. Seriously. (laughs) Oh my god. That was kind of funny to me. I was like... (laughs) Here's what always cracks me up, because I forget about it, is that in the movie, it's always just thanks, and that's funny. But the fact that it's a snake that is speaking a snake language that is also speaking English and Spanish. I know. (laughs) Thanks, amigo. I'm like, what? Brazil, here I come. <laughs> Why do you know Spanish? You don't. You just know parcel tongue. <laughs> you just know hissies. You were bred in the UK. You've never been to a Spanish-speaking country before. <laughs> Why would it know Spanish anyway? I can't stand it. Oh, my God. I suppose we also do need to talk about the, um... Not, a, not the elephant in the room. Um, the beautiful Korean woman in the room. That's not fucking Nagini. No. <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. Get over it. Get why, over it. Why it's not I, Nagini. Why do Harry Potter fans feel the need to make Nagini every single snake that is ever presented <laughs> in these books? Hasn't she said, too, like, that's not Nagini? She said that before. Good, yeah. good. One thing I get from her. <laughs> oh, that would be horrifying if it was Nagini, though. That's like, not Claudia Nagini. Like, Claudia Kim for a while gets put in a zoo. <laughs> oh, no. Breaks out. Not again. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, we talked about this when we first talked about how ridiculous it was that Nikini was a God. Anyway, let's not go down that road. Right I just now. needed to say it again, because here it was. Here's this big snake Harry talks to. Oh, that's Nikini! <laughs> it's not! Guess what? Neither is the basilisk. Get off my butt. Don't you know that Claudia Kim is from Indonesia? <laughs> God. All right. Okay, so the next chapter. The Letters from No One. What an ominous name for a title. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Okay, how does this one start? So this is when... Okay, this is when they get back from the zoo and Harry finally gets let out of his cupboard after two weeks of, like, sitting in there. Dudley has broken all of his stuff. 
Um, we find out that Harry's happy because for the first time ever, he's going to a school that's not where Dudley is going, so he doesn't have to worry about getting bullied and beaten up at school. I've got a question. Yeah. Um, so, I don't, this is something I don't know, and I don't know if you know. Are even public schools in the UK, like, do they have uniforms, or like, are they sending Harry to just a shittier private school? I don't know. What's it called? It's called Stonewall. Mm-hmm. Stonewall High. That sounds like it would be a public school. It sounds like public school, but I just wonder to, like, keep up appearances. Yeah. Or does it not matter? Like, does middle and high school, or whatever it's fucking called over there, yeah. secondary school, like, does that, is that when it starts to be private? Because, like, here yeah, we have many a private institution for elementary. Yeah. <laughs> so, like... I don't know. I just wonder. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe school uniforms are just a thing just over a there. Just a thing. Hmm. I'm not sure. Don't know. So that was just something I wondered about. Like, question. even keeping up appearances, like, that they would still be sending Harry to, like, a private school. But yeah. maybe public schools are just that fancy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why they would. Uniforms. But, like, if public school is free and they're always complaining about how much Harry costs them, then, like, why would they be willing to spend money to send him to a private school in the first yeah. place? I just think to not look like shit in front of the neighbors. <laughs> what That's neighbors most even of care? We know they own the block. <laughs> <laughs> we know they own the block. <laughs> oh my god. So moving so, forward from that then, the letters start coming. The letters, yep. And the first one is addressed to the cupboard under the stairs. And then I love how much like shade they throw in the addresses. Of these yes. letters. Because then the next one is, like, the smallest bedroom. Yes. And then the next one is, like, the gross hotel. And then, like, the the sea. Yeah. <laughs> the shed or whatever. The floor. The floor. <laughs> yeah, I think it says the floor. <laughs> My God, so savage. Is it McGonagall that sends out these letters? Like, yeah. she would be the one who's, like, just so you know, this kid sleeps in the cupboard. <laughs> How is she not fucking doing anything? I can't stand it. Probably because she tries to, and Albus is like, no, Minnie, mm-hmm. we talked about this. <laughs> so we get through and we see um, the madness of Uncle Vernon. Yeah. It's a nightmare. Yeah, he's He's crazy, shit. and he, like, is like, hold on, I'll be back, and he comes back with a gun, and it's like, we're living there now. Yeah. What? Oh my god. In a storm terrifying. So gross. So, they're just going all about, he's crazy. This chapter's just kind of like a bit of frustrating fun. Yeah. But it's also, like, funny because you get all these letters and he's just, like, losing his shit. (laughs) I know that we're not talking about them now, but I just think that they did a really good job in the movie with, like, ruffling up his hair and making him look all crazy during this part. I know. I know. Me too. So funny. Oh, my goodness. All right. I feel like this part is more dramatic in the movie than it is in the book. A hundred percent more dramatic. This entire movie is more dramatic than the book. Like, so much of this stuff is like, <laughs> wave my wand, okay, problem gone. Ridiculous. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's move forward. Let's get to Hagrid. Okay, let's get to Hagrid. This is when things start getting exciting. I think, like, the first few chapters are just kind of like, okay, he's been yeah. abused. He gets <laughs> to go to school. Let's move on. <laughs> yep. We, we've got enough backstory. It's, like, time to go. Yeah. Like, let's get into it. So then we see Hagrid 
And for the first time, Harry is so happy. Uh, also, can we talk about this, too? He he knows how to write happy birthday. Yes. I'll just say that. Oh, my God. We'll get to that when it comes time for a movie commentary. But I, I just, like, reading that again, I was like, oh. Yeah. Weird. I mean, I guess it makes, like, he's, what, like, 13 when he gets expelled and he never went to muggle school ever so like i guess he could be bad at spelling but it just seems mean it it is mean (laughs) it's very mean i hate i mean even in the books i think there are certain moments where she like writes hagrid to be incredibly stupid and i'm like that's offensive Mm -hmm. because he's he's half breed that's just discriminatory like that's that's rude that's racist (laughs) 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 to make him stupid like in the way that he talks I think it's I think it's interesting that like he is like this like kind of character for yeah. the first couple but then like as they go through you see that he's competent. Yeah. But it's it's interesting to see that he's just this kind of like here's this like grown up who we can trick all the time. Right. But then it like comes at the fact of like well he was expelled as a kid. He's like not fully human. Right. So it, it's like coupled with those things. You're like, oh, oh, yeah. that's kind of mean. <laughs> I know. It's funny because I feel like in this one, like, he still is like able to do magic and like do it well. Like, he's able to speed their boat along. Yeah. He's able to give Dudley a fucking tail. But like in the later <laughs> books, it's it's like they she writes him in a way where like he's really bad at magic. Like, people are constantly having to like fix his mistakes and like. We'll tell have him to, incantations before he's able to do anything. But I'm like, in this book, he's so competent. Mm-hmm. And he lives around it so much. Like, he lives at the school. I feel like he'd know. Yeah. Anyway, I, it's something to keep in mind as we continue going through the books. Is just kind of keeping an eye on how Hagrid's intelligence is shown and his magical ability. Right. I feel like she writes him to be dumber and dumber as the series goes on. Because mm-hmm. then she, like, writes him as a drunk. And she writes That's him as true. someone who, like, forgets everything, mm-hmm. says things he shouldn't all the time, his classes are always a disaster. Yeah. You know? Well-meaning, but stupid. Right. It's like, he's not stupid. So that gets into a question um, that we have from Pottermore. What makes Hagrid so trustworthy, then? If we're talking about what an incompetent idiot he is, apparently. Why does Dumbledore trust him so much? Spoilers, I'll say it. Not really spoilers. Yeah. Because of his undying loyalty to him. Yeah. That's why. Right. <laughs> For sure. Because he will be loyal to him until the day he dies. Dumbledore is probably also the only person who knows that he was wrongfully expelled. Yeah. Like, he didn't deserve to be expelled. He didn't do what he was blamed for. Mm-hmm. And Dumbledore is like the only person who knows that, and stuck up for him. And so that's where him. it comes from. But he knows he can trust him because he's not going to betray him ever. So yeah, that's why he's so trustworthy. Why does Harry trust him right away? He doesn't even know him. I think because he's he cares. He's yeah. very caring. He like he comes in and he immediately like makes him tea and sausages. Gives him a birthday cake. Gives him a birthday cake and his coat gives to like his, sleep under. Gives his um, aunt and uncle the what for. Yeah. Which he's been wanting to do. And tells him his entire history. I always forget in this chapter that he tells Harry his entire history with Voldemort and about his parents' death in front of the Dursleys. Yeah. Mm hmm. That's another question that I have here, um, which I thought was a really good one um, from Pottermore also. 
is, um, in your opinion, what first makes Harry believe he's a wizard? And honestly, for me, I think it's hearing the Dursleys say it's true. Yeah. Probably. Because, like, they would never. So hearing them say that it's true, right. then it has to then be. Then it has to be real. Because, yeah. like, I was paying attention to that while reading, like, okay, so when is the exact point that he that he believes it and like he's just questioning everything he doesn't understand but then the minute that the Dursleys say anything he's like you kept this from me right instead of just like what how did I whatever blah 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 and then you know he's just got a million questions and then the minute the Dursleys say anything it feels like he believes it right and then that's when Hagrid goes into like his whole story and then that also kind of like validates it too because Harry's like I remember a green flash of light Mm -hmm. and I remember this and then Hagrid's starts talking about, like, well, have you ever, like, made anything happen without being able to explain it? And Harry's like, oh, yeah, I have. So then it's, like, hearing the Dursleys say it, but then as Hagrid tells him more, like, it, like, validates Mm -hmm. things that have happened before that he's never been able to explain. I cherish him. I know. Sweet baby Harry. I know. Ugh! So he whisks him away. Mm-hmm. And all is good. I like that he's got little mice in his coat. I know. <laughs> he cares about these little babies so much. Okay, can we talk about this, too? Because you forget from the movies, but it's. I feel like it, it is also very inconsistent. So another thing about Hagrid to watch is the description of his size. Right. In the first chapter. Feet the size of baby dolphins. Yeah. Hands the size of trash can lids. That's he's five huge. times the size of a man. Yeah. That's crazy. He's fucking enormous. I know. (laughs) (laughs) And I want to know, like, does that stay consistent, or was that, like, an extreme description of him that changes as the books kind of find their ground? Yeah, that's a good thing to... But that first description is so jarring. Right. That is, like, clearly made for kids, because if you think about that in in the way of, like, an adult person who knows the size of things... Yeah. That's extreme. That's huge. Dolphins? Baby dolphins! (laughs) He's enormous! Yeah. How does he fit on this person-sized motorcycle? (laughs) I've always wondered that. How is Sirius's bike not, like, absolutely destroyed? (laughs) From him, like, sitting on it and riding it so much. I think that probably... How was it able to fly? I think probably it was enchanted to be bigger when it was given to Hagrid. Yeah. I think he probably could have done that, but who knows if he's so fucking incompetent. Gigantic. The thing that I noticed in this part, I was like, can we talk about how Hagrid still makes Harry sleep on the floor that night in the hut? Hagrid takes the sofa, which is like three sizes too small for him, and makes Harry sleep on the floor. Oh, he's used to it. It's fine. Where did Dudley sleep that night? <laughs> Under the bed. <laughs> like a pig. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, this chapter is another really good one. I love that you get the, like, follow-up on that, too, that they're, like, when they're bringing him to that okay well that's an, we can we'll just kind of fluidly move through and not do it chapter by chapter if we don't need to but when they say that okay yeah we'll take him to the train station yeah um that they're like we're going to london anyway to get a doctor to look at dudley's tail <laughs> i know you can't go to smeltings with a tail but i forget because it's so quick in the movie that that he gets dropped back off right 
He gets dropped back off. He's got weeks to go. I always forget that, too. Weeks to go. So it's interesting. Well, let's talk about um, your favorite, Diagon Alley. Oh, I love it. He has so much fun there. It's cute. Okay, so how does this chapter play out? He goes shopping. There's lots of things that he wants. I guess first Gringotts. Yeah, so Gringotts is first. I like how shocked he is by the goblins. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting how like polite the goblins are to them. In this yeah, they're one. not mean. They're not mean. <laughs> they're very polite. They're like calling them sir. They're holding doors open for them. They're very house elves before house elves became a thing. Yeah, yeah, they are. It's like they're very respectful. And then later in the series, goblins become like fuck you toward fuck all you. <laughs> all the wizards. But in this one, they're very polite. So they I are. thought that was interesting. That is interesting. Um, there is, there's some foreshadowing in this chapter, which I feel like I've always known, but, like, when Haggard is, like, you'd be mad to try and rob this bank. Yes. <laughs> Seven years later, I Harry tries to rob the bank. <laughs> so good. So good. And he's telling him about, like, there are dragons in here. And, yeah. like, lots of enchantments. <laughs> it's good. I love and how it all comes Greg back. Hook is, like, the one who takes him to his, like... Mm-hmm. vault the first time yeah and he's also the one that helps him break in in seven years i've said it before and i'll say it again i love the way that these books connect back to front like one and seven there's so much that comes back from the first book to get connected to right. seven um two and six are both the tom riddle books mm-hmm. and very slytherin oriented um three and five have a lot to do with outside forces um, it also has Sirius and Lupin in it both times. It's like a Marauders. Yeah, so you get kind of more of that, and then um, and then you've just got this game changer four standing in the middle yeah. that flips it from right. from kid to adult. But yeah. I think that I love that. So you see so much in this first book that you you're just see like so much oh, Deadly Hallows. Like it's just exciting. I know it's fun. That's what I love about reading the first books. Like, we kind of talked about this before we started recording this. The first book is so painful to read. The more and more you read it. Yeah. Like, it's just, like, it's very starter book. It's very kid-oriented. I think if you wait a while between reading it... Then it's fun. Then it's fun again. But, like, I just read this in January. So having to read it again so soon was like, oh, God. <laughs> I know. Um, That's how I feel, too. Like, it's yeah. it, it's been, like, a good a good handful of months. Yeah. Like, we're coming up here on it being a year from reading this book. Right. But it's, like, it's too soon. It, <laughs> it's it is. still too soon. So I think the thing that, like, makes these first two books so exciting for me when I do reread them are the glimpses that you get Absolutely. into the later books. And we'll talk about that way more in Chamber of Secrets because that's I love where that I, book so that's much! That's where I really get hit with it is all the nods at Half-Blood Prince. But, like, this I one, know. too, has it. A lot of nods at things that happen later in the Mm -hmm. series in general like not even all of them are deathly hallows but just like later in the books yeah so well let's talk about um draco malfoy because i have some questions here about him and also it's interesting to um if we can go through if you can find some of the passages here of the shit that he spews um well okay here's interesting this is um okay here it is This is something that struck me the last time I read this book for our class. This is what I wrote my response paper for this book on for our class, was I was just like, it's so clear that this is a child who has been so conditioned and so groomed to be the way he is. Like, he 
meets Harry for the first time and is like immediately asking him questions about like his blood status. Yes. About his parents' names. Mm-hmm. Spewing these huge opinions about like, I don't think they should let Muggleborns in yeah. the Hogwarts. Do you? Like immediately. He's 11 years old. <laughs> it's like, it would be the equivalent of like a 10 year old coming up to you and just talking about politics. Like it's, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> so I was just like, He's been trained to ask people. It that. is. It you is really sad has. knowing knowing like how his story goes throughout the rest of the books. I think really this is um, for a while one of the last times I I will be sympathetic to him. Yeah, because like these upcoming books, I say until really until six, there's not a lot of um, room for me to feel bad no, for him. He's but a like, shit. But when, this, when you see like his first interaction with like a stranger that yeah. he doesn't know, because he, he grows up around pureblood kids and whatever, I'm sure he had many a play date with some other pureblood yeah. families. But like this a little kid stranger that like he could maybe be friends with, well, he's got to get, he's got to check these boxes off right. first before he's allowed to. Right. Yeah, like, you know how, like, groomed he has been his entire life. So I just remember that hitting me really hard the last time I read this, like, when I was reading this for our class and being like, wow. Yeah, <laughs> I can't is a believe lot. he's already asking him that. Like, I only remembered from this him talking about, like, how Slytherin is so great and, like, reminding Harry of Dudley because he's like, I want a broom, and he's just, like, he's super spoiled, you know? But then, like, you get to, like, what's your surname? Your parents were our kind, weren't they? Like, Mm -hmm. those kind of questions. And I'm like, you are 11. (laughs) So that brings me into then, um, so Pottermore asks the question, what are Harry and Draco's similarities and differences? And um, Scholastic has the question of how are Malfoy and Dudley alike and different? So, clearly the Dudley one is here. Yes. Like, it is brought up specifically in the book. He, yes, he's very spoiled. He's, he's extremely very privileged. spoiled and privileged. He, he, was, he grew up an only child, and so he got all of his parents' attention when he was little. Mm-hmm. Just like... Dudley, Dudley pretty did. much did, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he... He lived that life of, like... Being an only child to parents who made it their sole goal to, like, bathe their child in all the riches that they could Mm -hmm. give them, you know? I think how they're different is how they kind of wield their power. Mm -hmm. Um, Dudley grew up in a home where um, physical power was shown a lot and demonstrated. And so he does the same thing, and we see it as he grows up, that his type of bullying is very physical. Right. Um, where Draco Malfoy is a pansy <laughs> and a little bitch uh, who talks a lot of shit, and so and he has his two henchmen to yep. like do the fighting for him. Exactly. So you know, you know that he grew up in a home where a lot of shit was talked, right? But not a lot of hands were thrown. <laughs> so he, Dudley is physically yes. abusive. Draco is emotionally abusive. Absolutely, <laughs> that's the difference. Absolutely. Them. So that's like a big difference. They're like bullying style. Yeah, is very different. But I think they're very much mirrors of each other. Yeah. <laughs> Just like the muggle and wizard version of the same person. Yeah. And I feel like J.K. Rowling has even talked about that before. Like, I think she purposely wrote Dudley and Draco to be yeah. similar to each other. What about Harry and Draco? I think both of them kind of go to Hogwarts with this, like, 
feeling that they have to prove themselves there. Mm. Wow. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Yikes. Harry, because he's like, I'm coming from this world where I didn't know any of this. And so much is expected of me. And so much is expected of me because I'm famous. And I, think, I haven't heard of any of this. I think both of them have a lot of expectations attached to their name. I, I agree. Because Draco, like, I remember J.K. Rowling writing on Pottermore. Like, she was like, Draco Malfoy grew up with the notion pushed on him that he was, like, almost, like, royalty in the wizarding world. Because yep. he's a pureblood, he's a member of the Malfoy family, yeah. and his dad is this big notable figure in their society. He's so, got to like, live up to it. You can bet that, like, his parents sent him to Hogwarts with the message you that, like, gotta be you've the best. gotta perform. Here's something I learned recently that I think is really interesting. After Hermione, Draco is number two in their class at Hogwarts. Okay, here's the thing. I I hear and know that in my heart as well, but where does that come from? Because I see a lot of people saying, that's fanon. It is not yeah. canon. Is that? So where does it come from? I don't know where it comes from, but I've heard that before, and I don't remember if it's something that she has said. Well, let's look it up. Like, I'm not surprised because I think it, it, I mean, he gets into all the newt level classes later on. He's very smart. He's very smart. I think that that comes from um, a line in Chamber of Secrets um, with Lucius and Draco in Borgen and Burks, yes. where they're saying something, Lucius is saying something about him needing to be like top of the class or something, but that he's behind. Um, a mud blood or whatever. Yeah. So then I think that's where it comes from that people assume that he's second to her. Yeah. I can believe it. I would believe it too because I do think that he's really smart. Yeah. I mean, you see how capable he is by six. Right. So. He's incredibly smart. He would have achieved something if he put his heart in it. Yeah. <laughs> Dumb idiot didn't actually want to kill anybody. <laughs> yeah. Dumbledore calls him out on it. <laughs> but, yeah, so I think that's how Harry and Draco are similar, is that they both go to Hogwarts with a lot of pressure put on them right away to, like, prove that they are worthy and to, like, live up to the expectations that people have been putting on them their I entire think, lives. I think we also see on a more lighthearted note that they're both um, equally pretty petty. Yeah. <laughs> As the book, as this book and the series goes on between the two of them, all those hijinks right up to, <laughs> they're both pretty petty. Oh man, I love them both. <laughs> it's so funny. I know Draco is a character that you're supposed to hate, but I have so much love for him in my heart. I really do. I know. This is going to be a recurring theme with me on every book. I'm going to be like, can we just talk about Draco Malfoy? <laughs> I know. It'll be interesting I as um, I think like. Three, four, and five are tough for me with him. Yeah. There are some parts where you're like, okay, yeah, it's like kind of fun and lighthearted with him. Yeah. Whatever. I think it's hilarious. Is it in five or six? Oh, I don't remember. I think it might be in six, but one of them where they're supposed to go to the prefix meeting and um, Draco just like throws a middle finger up and doesn't even look at them. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's very funny. But then there's other stuff where he's like literally talking shit about a kid who just died. Yeah. So like he's tough for me as the series continues, but I for know. now he's very lighthearted and fun. It's like so. in the first two and in the last two, you like him a lot. Yeah. But in the in-betweens, he's not that great. Yeah. Cause I, like the first two, it's like fun kid ride. Rivalry yeah. that I love. And then in the last two is when you get it's his sad. change. It's sad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, let's keep moving on. Oh, can we go back a little bit? Are you able to find the first um, 
the first bit we have about Quirrell. I think yes. it would be I think it would be good to read that part. Yeah, it's right here. Um, a pale young man made his way forward very nervously. One of his eyes was twitching. Oh no. <laughs> Professor Quirrell, said Hagrid. Harry, Professor Quirrell will be one of your teachers at Hogwarts. I'm not going to stammer. That's fine. Potter, stammered Professor Quirrell, grasping Harry's hand. Can't tell you how pleased I am to meet you. What sort of magic do you teach, Professor Quirrell? Defense against the dark arts, muttered Professor Quirrell, as though he'd rather not think about it. Not that you need it, hey, Potter? He laughed nervously. You'll be getting all your equipment, I suppose. I've got to pick up a new book on vampires myself. He looked terrified at the very thought. But the others wouldn't let Professor Quirrell keep Harry to himself. And I think that's pretty much the end. Okay. It's interesting. Um, sorry, say it one more time. Which part? Does he shake his hand? Ever in this. I don't think so. And they don't describe him as wearing the turban in this scene. No, they don't. Um, so I don't know. There, There's a lot of speculation. And I think stuff in the movie gets put onto this too much that they touch well there's more in here after they go away okay um Hagrid says even Professor Quirrell was trembling to meet you mind you he's usually trembling and then Harry's like is he always that nervous and Hagrid's like oh yeah poor bloke brilliant mind he was final he was studying out of books but then he took a year off to get some first hand experience they say he met vampires in the black forest and there was a nasty bit of trouble with a hag never been the same since scared of the student scared of his own subjects or scared of his own subject which is weird because wasn't Coral a muggle studies professor up he until was. this year yep so he's scared of the subject that he's just been given for this new school year yeah it's an interesting it, i don't know i i think the movie and the book just get conflated because a lot of people are making excuses of like okay well Voldemort wasn't in him at the time because they touched well, that's only in the movie that they shake hands. Right. And there's no description of a turban yet. Right. So, I don't know. It's all, it's all interesting. And um, in the next section, like, once we get more about... But, would have to be in him at this point, because he's already back from Albania. But his, his and scar doesn't hurt. Oh, that's true. He's also very nervous, though. So, Voldemort isn't in him yet. There's at least a plan for that to happen. He's there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because the school year hasn't started yet. There's no need. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so a plan has already been in place if he's not really there. There is writing on Coral from um, Joanne that I think is very good, and we'll, um, we'll get to that in the, last, in the next episode for the last part of the book, okay. I think when we learn more about the Voldemort stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll find that and read it. Um, but it's just it's interesting to kind of see this first glimpse and see if there's anything there. Right. Because that's a question that I have coming up for the second half of the book is, like, was it a surprise? What was there that led you to believe that it was him? Right. So, it's just interesting. It's just interesting because you you want to find the foreshadowing now that you know what happens at the end. And right. this first scene, you don't really get anything. It's setting mm-hmm. him up to be meek. Yeah. Is there anything else that happens in the Diagon Alley chapter that's important? I mean, I guess him getting his wand yeah. and finding out about the twin cores right away in the very that's first. That comes right the hell back. Yep. That's <coughs> another thing that, like, comes back. The entire first part of Deathly Hallows is Voldemort trying to figure out how to overcome that twin cores thing. Mm-hmm. So. so, I think we can move past that and get, um get to nine and three quarters. Yes. 
Okay, so we already talked about this opens with the Dursleys. We've already talked about them. Mm -hmm. I don't think we really need to discuss them anymore. Um, Okay, so Harry's at the train station, and he can't figure out how to get onto the platform until he hears... Fudge off, you fuck! (laughs) Listen! Listen! Our commentaries will never be as good as wizard people, and you'll just all need to learn to accept it. And I just, like, to prepare you now, it's, like, a couple weeks away from when we're going to put that out, but, like, it's going to be really hard. I'm going to be saying a lot of wizard people jokes because it's automatically what I think of when I watch this movie now. It's so good. But enter. I need need to be able to watch that whenever I want to. I need to find the audio for it. Let's watch it today. Let's do it. Enter the Weasleys. Enter the Weasleys. I love them. So this is Harry's... I mean, these are the people who really give Harry the gateway to yeah. Hogwarts. Yep. So, um, We did talk a lot about, speaking of that, um, as both Hagrid and Ron um, functioning at, functioning as gatekeepers yeah. for Harry. Yes. And that they're um, introducing him. And I think Ron and Hagrid are continuously doing that through this book, at least. Right. Yeah. They're the ones who teach Harry the most about mm-hmm. the wizarding world. Um, well, I have another comment about that, but we'll get to it a little bit later. Okay. (laughs) Um, so yeah, the Dursleys, or not the Dursleys, the Weasleys. Oh, I love them in this chapter. They're so cute. Mrs. Weasley is so kind, like, right away. Like, Mm -hmm. she doesn't even know who Harry is at this point, and she's, like... Well, when she's Fred, so when Fred and George right find out, and she's like, "Don't you dare bother him!" Right? It's oh, Molly. Like she's not even attached to him yet, but she's already like, "Don't talk to him about that." Yeah, don't fucking talk to him about that. Yeah, horrible children. Oh my god! <laughs> it's cute to see how like young and innocent Ginny is in this. First yeah, book. She just wants she's, to go. She's like laughing and crying as yeah. her brothers leave, and she's like <laughs> chasing the train as it like pulls out of the station. Like it's just sweet. This podcast, as we go through the books, is just going to be a Ginny Weasley love fest. I know. I <laughs> and then when the so movie much. commentaries come, it's going to be rough. It's going to be a fuck Ginny Weasley. Like overall, we love Ginny Weasley so much, but she sucks in the movies. <laughs> she's so bad, but she's so cute. In this first book, it's really cute when she finds out that Harry's, like, on the train. She's like, Mom, I want to go see him. And I'm like, don't worry. You're going to get married to him. Ew. <laughs> oh, don't worry. You'll see him. You'll see him again. <laughs> <laughs> He'll save your life in one year. Just give it time. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. This is when we get our first glimpse of Neville and Hermione in this yep. chapter, too. Both uh, very unlikable. Very unlikable. Neville, because he's just... A little weak duckling. Yeah. And Hermione is annoying. I yeah. found myself getting annoyed by her. Yeah. In the first half of well, this Well, that's book. the point. Like, oh my god. I mean, honestly, this is a really unpopular opinion, but of the Golden Trio, Hermione has always been my least favorite of yeah. the three. Even though she's, like, fandom-wide, people's most famous, most, like, popular character. Yeah. As a whole. I've never really been that attached to her. Yeah. I, I, I have know. so much appreciation for Harry and Ron. As she as she um as she grows up and kind of um drops a little bit of the pretentiousness, it's it's better. She gets a little bit but better. I miss it. I'll say that. I'm gonna miss it in Her the movies. Her mood swings give you some serious whiplash. <laughs> it's sometimes. good though. Like she's a good character and she's yeah. so flawed and I love it because right. like 
I don't get it in the movies. No, in the movies, it's like she's played by Emma Watson, so she has to be perfect all I the time. I saw something that um, someone online was talking about that it's not fair the um, the hate that Hermione gets in Cursed Child, which I think is interesting because I guess a lot of people, I you know, I didn't really pay attention to much specific um, criticism of the book because I thought it was just bad overall. <laughs> right. But um, specifically, the way that she acted in both alternate universe and the the real um, timeline, thought yeah. that she was, um, she was, like, bossy and angry and vindictive and whatever, like, all this sort of stuff. And I was like, yeah. And the person who was talking about this was saying, like, how how is that hated when that is so much closer to the books than anything movie Hermione was? Right. After the first two movies, she loses any sort of bossiness. Right. At all. There's nothing, uh, there's no flaw to her. Mm-hmm. At all. Third movie onward. Right. So it's just... Like, I don't, I think it's, I like seeing book Hermione again, even though it's hard to stand her in this first half of the book, especially, which is the point. Yeah. Which is the point. So that's fine. But I, I would, I would so rather have this. Than I would so rather have this. Yeah, for sure. Than just a fucking piece of white bread left for me on a table. Yeah. With a wig. Seriously. Ugh. Anyway, so, but we get, we get the beginning of the friendship for the ages with Ron, Harry and Ron. And their first conversation is so cute. I think, I think it's the first time that Ron really has anybody super interested in him. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really sweet for him to see. Like he's very like gloomy when he's talking about himself at first and is very like, I mean, yeah, but my family's poor, and my I think it's are interesting how they both are so jealous of each other's yeah lives. I do too, and I think both of them like pump the other person up a lot because you have Harry telling Ron that he thinks he's really interesting, but then you have Harry also being like, "I'm really worried, I'm gonna suck," and Ron's gonna be like, "Yeah, but we're all gonna suck. We're first years. Yeah. <laughs> so like, oh. it's really sweet. I love, I love Ron's um, constant, just like, what, what can we do? I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we don't even know anything. I hate that Ronald Weasley gets so much hate in this series from the fandom. And I feel like, again, that's a flaw of the movies. Yeah, but that's like the movies again, but yeah. I, he, he gets some very unlikable moments in this book series. He does. For sure. But, but like I think that he does. is, he's, he's the best. I think for the most part, like, he is such a good, loyal friend. He is. He's always putting his friends up, like, always bumping them up, giving them confidence, standing up for them. Like, in the Midnight Duel chapter, this is also getting ahead of ourselves, but, like, when Malfoy, like, challenges Harry to a duel, and he's like, what's the matter? You've never heard of a duel before? And Ron spins around. He's like, of course he has! (laughs) I love that! (laughs) So funny. Like, he's just like, he's so good to him! So I think, like, yes, he has a few moments in Goblet of Fire and in Deathly Hallows to specify where he is a shithead, but, like... All in all, he is a really good friend to Harry. He and is. That isn't played out. Very and I well think at that all. his intelligence in is completely stripped to all be given to Hermione. There are so many yes. instances of lines being Ron's, actions being Ron's that Hermione then gets to do in the movies. Right. Right. It's interesting. I just like he's great. 
Ron is awesome. Well, and everybody who doesn't think noticed, so can suck it. Something I noticed, too, is, like, Ron has a tendency in the books to, like, call things before they happen. Like, he makes a dumb joke about something, and then it turns out to be true later on. Yeah. And this is, like, Chamber of Secrets, but the one that I always remember is when, like, they find Tom Riddle's, like, yes. award. Yes. And they're like, what did he do to win this award? And Ron's like, maybe he's the one who killed Moaning Myrtle. Like, everyone yeah. loved him. It's like, he did, though! <laughs> Like, he's just, like, oh, my God. And then someone pointed that out to J.K. Rowling on Twitter, and she's like, yeah, I did that on purpose. Don't overlook him. Yeah. Ron's awesome. I know. I love him. So, yeah, this first interaction between Harry and Ron is really cute. It's like they're both awkward. They're both feeling really unsure about themselves, but they both, like, boost each other up, and they develop a really good friendship right off the start. And it's like by the time they get off the train, they're already joined at the hip. Like, it's really cute. I love them. They're so Ah! cute. Oh, my God. What else? Does anything else? Oh, Draco Malfoy comes back. Can we just talk about that? Like, every fucking book. When they come back from summer vacation, Draco always has Whoa, to come visit well, Look who's on the this train. This is when you can see, like, a very Potter musical <laughs> Draco more than any other time is when he comes back and he's like, I have arrived. <laughs> he's so fucking ridiculous. Did someone say Draco Malfoy? <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite. He's it's like so every single funny. book when they're on their way and when they're on the way back, yes. he always visits their compartment. He can't every he time. So. He can't stay away. Dreary is real. (laughs) Okay, and then I think, yeah, and then Hermione comes and she's being a little pretentious bitch (laughs) at age 11. And that's pretty much what happens on this. It's just like the main takeaway from this chapter is the forming of Ron's friendship and seeing Hermione for the first time at Neville. Mm hmm. We see. So I guess this goes throughout the kind of the rest of it, so we'll we'll think on it as it goes, but a uh, question from Scholastic is, it's a two-parter, so I guess we'll discuss the second half on next episode, mm-hmm. um, but why do Harry and Ron dislike Hermione so much in the beginning? She stops all their boyish fun. Yeah. She has to mom it up. Right. <laughs> She's a killjoy. She is. <laughs> she ruins everything She's for terrified them. of breaking rules. She's terrified of breaking rules. And she do- she doesn't want to. I think that she's um, also extremely competitive. She's extremely competitive. Like, she came into Hogwarts being like, I have to be at the top. So when she hears that, like, and I think this is, this I connect with her deeply and spiritually on, is that the minute the house points thing comes up and she has, like, um, a house-wide group project, yeah, she's like, you will not fuck this up for me. <laughs> yeah. So I, <laughs> so I get it. And I see where oh, she's coming from, but I think that the competitiveness and, like, not wanting to be better bad at something even a house cup that is not in her control completely she's like there's no way you shape the fuck up (laughs) you are not taking this away from me i will be the best (laughs) i love her so i think that's where the killjoy stuff comes from because she just wants to get an a on her group work (laughs) yeah for sure So I get it, but it's like this book is about fun, magical adventures, and she's really holding them back whenever she gets the chance to. Right. Yeah, it's like they want to explore Hogwarts and see everything that it has to offer. She's it's like, not no. allowed! 
own. We came here to be students. <laughs> Just ridiculous. So she's yeah. that like obnoxious kid that nobody likes. Aww. Nobody liked that smart, pretentious kid in high school. <laughs> in any grade, yeah, or in college. <laughs> Okay, let's move forward. Okay, so the next chapter is the sorting chapter. Um, so Tim makes an appearance. (laughs) (laughs) Put me back. Let's go. (laughs) Take me to Slytherin. Let's go. Let's go. Oh my god. (laughs) If Harriet says no fucking way. I don't want to. No fucking way. By the way, let's just say, this was at the beginning, but since we're talking about sorting and all the houses, um, fuck you, Draco Malfoy. You go home, then. I'm, I like Hufflepuff. I know. I love Hufflepuff. You go home, then. You go. I think I would leave. I stay. (laughs) I think I'd leave. Even Hagrid. You would want to be in the house that's located next to the kitchens. (laughs) Not my fat ass. I even Hagrid though was like, oh, they're just nice. Yeah, <laughs> get out. Well, okay, this was like something that I was gonna say about Hagrid and Ron, and it's something that we talked about in our class. But they, along with Draco Malfoy, are the ones that really feed into Harry's mind that like Slytherin is a bad house. Yeah, because both of them talk shit about it when they talk they to do. him and then you combine that with him like meeting this kid that he doesn't like from the get-go who's talking up Slytherin like it's the best yep. house ever yep which immediately makes Harry think that Slytherin is awful before he's even like been at Hogwarts he's not so wrong from all the people we meet yeah I know we talked about that in our class I wonder if Slytherin is like known as a bad house in all of wizarding society or if that's just like harry's opinion that got pushed on i think now it is thanks to someone special thanks to voldemort yeah but like has it always been that way no i doubt it i don't think so i think it was him because of the blood purity and slytherin heritage that was like that made people be like oh because it's like yeah people like slytherin is being is known for being like a very like ambitious house like it always has been that's kind of what characterizes it but i don't think ambition is a bad thing no so yeah, I don't know. I don't think it has. I think it has more to do with Voldemort and his pushing of Slytherin stuff and so many Death Eaters because purebloods flock to Slytherin, I guess. Right. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's always been the pureblood house, but I feel like, you know, that wizard, or like Voldemort was the one who took that like pureblood status thing to a whole new extreme. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm. So we've already talked a lot about the houses. We don't have to really get into that now. But that's pretty much what this chapter is. It's just like the sorting and learning yeah. about all the houses and what they all represent. And I don't know if now is the appropriate time to talk about it. But because Hagrid was talking so much shit on Slytherin, I'd just like to bring it up and we can discuss it more as the next book comes around. Yes. Um, but I am a huge believer ever since I saw somebody um, write up a whole dissertation on it. Um that I really, really wholeheartedly believe that Hagrid was in Slytherin. Yeah. I agree. And he has so much hatred for it because his own um, hated him and turned on him. And um, and they were the ones ended that Ended up got getting him, him expelled. Yeah. So. Treated him like shit. Yeah. So I, I made think, him lose I think, his place. I think that that's the reason why. Because I think that he's really ambitious and will do whatever it takes. For You, you see with Aragog and stuff. Like, yeah. He's going to fucking do anything. Like, he's... Right. He's doing it. So I, yeah, I don't know. I think that I'll try and find that for when Chamber of Secrets comes up because I think it's really compelling. Yeah. But just since we were talking about that, I just wanted to plant the seed. 
I agree. I think that's a really great fan theory. Hagrid was in Slytherin. I think it's interesting that she never says which house he's in. Yeah. Maybe because Slytherin has a bad rap, and so she didn't want to make people dislike Hagrid by saying he was a Slytherin. I feel like in her mind he was a Gryffindor. All the good people are in Gryffindor. Yeah. Whatever. So, yeah, there isn't really anything super special. And then Dumbledore. We see Dumbledore again for the first time since that first chapter. And he is that cute little old man who says all these, like, weird words to these kids and is, like, super bumbly and happy. And Mm -hmm. welcome to Hogwarts. And notice this, because I made sure to take note of it. Oh, I don't remember what he's wearing in this chapter, but he's got a big purple cloak on in the, fir- the first time we see him, and big mm-hmm. high-heeled boots. <laughs> I wrote that down in my notes. I was just like, LOL at Dumbledore wearing high-heeled buckled boots. Hell yeah, and it's <laughs> That's purple. That's so funny. I just, I want him to wear purple at some point in these Please goddamn Please let him movies. wear purple. That's Do all I need I to want. start a change.org petition? Yeah, seriously, I think we should. <laughs> Tweet at JK Rowling every single day until she agrees to let him wear purple. Oh my god. Put it in one of the screenplays that he's wearing a purple robe. Can I And just... not a suit. A robe. She doesn't want to listen to me though. Just like my dream for the end of Fantastic Beasts, the last scene I know. in the movie. <laughs> she oh, won't man. she won't listen to me. But oh, it's fine. God. Let's keep moving. We've got okay. classes to get to. Yes, so after Fun the and sorting. Exciting. Oh, here we go. Okay, so the next one is the potions master. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> now we can go back to our discussion on abuse again. <laughs> he sucks. We talked about this in our class, too. Harry goes from being physically abused to being emotionally abused at Hogwarts. So, like, really, where is he safer? With the Dursleys or <laughs> at Hogwarts, which is worse to endure. At least he's got people who care about him at Hogwarts to offset Snape. Yeah. Man. But he sucks. Why did the teachers let him get away with treating students that way? I honestly don't get it. Why did Dumbledore let him do that? Why did the other teachers let him do it? Like, even like McGonagall has I to know that he treats students I that way. I don't understand because a lot of the... well. A good handful of people, like, were in the order and, like, know what's up. And, like, okay, yeah, he turned for us, but, like, he's still a piece of shit. Right. Who was a Death Eater and was an asshole. And, like, McGonagall taught him. Right. Let's not forget. So, like, she knows all the shit. And, like, I don't like people trying to say that they're friends in the teacher's lounge. No. Absolutely not. So I don't get why I don't get why he's allowed Her to BFFs do what he does. Her BFFs at Hogwarts are Sprout and Flitwick, Hell not yeah. Snape. Suck a dick. He's the outcast in the heads of houses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, I can't stand him. He's in this chapter too. I mean, I just I have it confl- like all the books. It's this way, but that he just refuses to call on Hermione. I know stuff. that's in there too because he's just so focused on bullying Harry for not knowing anything. When they weren't assigned summer reading their first years. I know. And it's like, yeah, he did read his books, but he's not going to remember all of that. No. And, like, they're trick questions, too. Right. 
Yeah. Produce and then even later, like, even manner. after that happens, like, Neville, like, melts his, like, cauldron or something. Yeah. And Snape is like, you forgot to do this. And then he turns to Harry and he's like, why didn't you tell him not to do that, Harry? Crazy. And I'm like, why do you have to do that to him? Maybe because he was busy making his own potion that he it's, wasn't paying attention to what other people were doing? Yeah. Hey, how about you, the teacher who's supposed to be walking around and helping people learn? Why didn't you help him? Why yeah. didn't you tell him not to forget? Seriously. Oh my god. This is their first day of school. Excuse Neville for not being able to make a good potion. Why would he be able to? He's a child. Yeah. Who hasn't gone to school for it. Oh my god. I hate him. I know. I'm assuming you have some good discussion questions about him, or do you not really? I actually don't. You don't? Which we is talked about him. Which is nuts. Always, he is he was not the focus of like any discussion questions here. And I think if really? they were, it was um more toward the end. Yeah. Yeah, wow. more toward the end. There's going to be some questions next episode, a couple. But really, he's not the focus here. Like, he's a dick, but, and, like, like, he's not... And, like, even Hagrid. Like, when they're talking to Hagrid about him, he's like, I mean, yeah, that was kind of, like, dumb for him to do, but, like, why should he be that rude, you know? Because he trusts Dumbledore and Dumbledore trusts him. So, like, that's it. End of story. I hate that that's, like, a, such an ongoing theme over the entire series. Harry, from the beginning, is like, Snape sucks. And everyone's like, yeah, but Dumbledore likes him. Who cares what Dumbledore thinks? Plenty of other dipshits worked at the school and Dumbledore, like, oh, okay, so we gotta trust him. Yeah. Excuse you! God. God damn. I can't take it. Yeah. This chapter, I feel like, I mean, I always get mad in chapters in Snape's, like, classroom because I feel like they always have him treating Harry so badly. But, like, this one I feel like is one of the worst. Yeah. And, like, it's his very first class. I think that's why it hits him so hard is because he's the tiniest he'll ever be. <laughs> yeah. And, like, it's the first day of his first year knowing nothing. Well, it's just, like, this is... Snape has, like, never even met Harry before at this point. Like, he's just, like, determined to hate him before he even knows him. Like, you know that as soon as he heard that Harry was coming to Hogwarts that year, he immediately had made up his mind that, like, he was going to treat him badly right away. Yeah. Without even taking the time to get to know him. Like, if he had, he would have found out that, like, yeah, Harry's a lot like James, but he's also a lot like Lily, too. So, like, you don't have to be so rude to him. Ew. He was also, just, like, who determined. cares? It's a child. Yeah. <laughs> I can't stand him. Seriously. Like, yeah, Harry becomes stank to him later on, but that's after Snape treats him like shit. Mm. let's move on okay we have one more chapter left for this section and that's the midnight duel okay so this is the first of many outings at night time in the <laughs> castle <laughs> oh and it's the flying lesson chapter too there's a lot that happens in this one there is a I lot forgot I was like Halloween's good because that's when it all starts to go down but I'm like I did not realize that like the fluffy stuff was in this chapter too right. I'm like whoa yeah, the first time we see fluffy is in here everything with the remember all is in here this is when Harry learns that he's good at flying. Cute and precious. Also cute and precious that Harry thinks that what is a cane he's going to get beaten with. Oh my god. <laughs> That's so exciting. Isn't that fun? Oh my god. I Isn't that precious? Oh, please. God. Oh my god. Terrible. What kind of life has this kid left? <laughs> I can't stand it. It's all bad. It's all bad. But it's very fun and exciting. 
Quidditch is great. Draco Malfoy continues to be an asshole. Right. (laughs) Stands him up, hopes to get him kicked out of Hogwarts right away for being out late. Don't say he stands him up. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he did. He scheduled a play date for them and then didn't Ah! show up. (laughs) They can't take it. (laughs) Oh, it's so fun. And then they run away from Filch. And this is the moment where Hermione also is just like, fuck you guys. I'm not talking to you anymore. I love that both Hermione and Neville were like, we're coming. I know. (laughs) Neville's part of this little adventure. But she just gets written out of all of it. It's fine. Well, this isn't even in the book, is it? Or in the movie. No, it's not. It's not included. Like, they still run into the dog at some point, but it's not because of a midnight duel. It's like because of a completely different thing. Like, the midnight duel is never mentioned. I don't even remember why. They're out. I don't either. We'll mm-hmm. see. I mean, we're going to watch the movie in the yeah. next couple of weeks for the mm-hmm. commentary. But, like, I don't remember. I don't remember either. They run And either way, Neville was not involved until the very end. No. So, he's just dealing with a fucking broken wrist up until the last scene of the movie, I guess. Oh, my God. <laughs> also, like, if Madame Pomfrey was able to fix his wrist right away, why is he, why did it take him until, like, nighttime to, like, get back to Gryffindor Tower? He was, was he just, just lost wandering around Hogwarts Aww. the whole time, not able to find his way home? Well, he was in a real fright. Oh, I think maybe he just needed to take a nap. I love him so much. <laughs> Of course he knows what a duel is. My dream would have been for her to be like, what, like in King Arthur? (laughs) (laughs) With our swords? (laughs) You want a fence or what's happening? (laughs) So ridiculous. Uh, That was my favorite part of this chapter was Ron just turning around on his seat and being like, of course he has. (laughs) I'm his second. Who's yours? (laughs) And then he, like, sizes both of them. He's like, ah, uh, this one. Crab. <laughs> so funny. I love it. So funny. Goyle's just crying himself to sleep that night. <laughs> he chose the other one. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. First chosen, first to die, I guess. Oh, my God. <laughs> I forget that he dies. <laughs> so- Spoiler alert. <laughs> Okay. Oh my god. So they don't duel, they run, they find a monster. They find a dog. A puppy, a puppy. with two more heads to kiss. <laughs> Guarding what Harry suspects to be that package from Green. Isn't that like the last line of the um of the chapter? Yeah, I think it I is. Think it's it so is. dramatic. It's such a dramatic thing. Let me find it. It looked as though Harry had found out where the grubby little package from Vault 713 was. <laughs> That's how the chapter I'm ends. going to bed before either of you Oh my god. Oh, goodness gracious. We haven't even talked about the Sorcerer's Stone at all. I know, it's yeah. crazy. There's so much. Like, we've like, seen it a little bit. There's a lot of like, world building going on in this first is. half That's of the book. That's what this first half of the book is. It's just like, let's introduce you to Hogwarts and the houses and the characters. Mm-hmm. And so I've got, I've got one question for us to wrap up. Okay. Um, so, so far from the book, who is the most trustworthy so far? Like, not counting Harry. 
Yeah, like too for too Harry. Harry's us. We're Harry. I Who's the most trustworthy character? Ron. I, I agree. I think it's Ron. Absolutely. Yeah. Ron is a stand-up guy, mm-hmm. and he comes through for Harry at all turns. Yeah, he's had his back this whole time. Mm-hmm. So he's been there for him. He teaches him. He doesn't make him feel stupid. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Hagrid could fall into that category, too, but he didn't fully have his back when he was talking to him about Snape. I, th- I think that, like, that the way you see him being so bumbling makes him less trustworthy, even. Right. So, yeah. so I think Ron is the one who has had his back the entire time so yeah. far. So. We'll see how it continues. Well, that's it, you guys. All right. Book Wrapping up. Part one. Part one. So, next week, finish the book. <laughs> Next week, finish the book. Halloween through the end. Yes. He's so excited. We'll have more questions. Gonna bring in some stuff about Quirrell, because that's always fun. We never see him again, so let's talk about him while we have the chance. (laughs) Yes. So, as always, the way that we wrap up these podcasts. Love me. (laughs) Follow us on Twitter. Love me. Be my friend. Email us. Answer the discussion questions that we had in this podcast. Tell us your thoughts. Yeah. Who do you think is the most trustworthy person for Harry at this point in the story right now? Do you think Snape's a big asshole? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. What do you think about Dumbledore's (laughs) decision in the beginning of this Yeah. Talk to us. Tell us what you think. We want you guys to be a part of these discussions. We really do. I just want friends. Talk to us, please. Follow us. Share us. Rate and review. All the usual. It hasn't changed. Nothing's changed, my good buds. You all know our email and our Twitter at this point, and yet none of you have reached out. (laughs) (laughs) So please do. Myrtle Bath Pod. Anywhere, everywhere. Not Instagram. What are we going to do on Instagram? Yeah. Nothing. Maybe one day. Our beautiful, beautiful faces. (laughs) (laughs) We love you. We will see you back next week for the rest of this book. Get pumped. Get fresh. I think after this, we're going to take a little break after we do the movie and then uh, probably hit you back in the new year with Chamber of Secrets. Yes. So, very exciting. So, follow along. Read the books with us. (laughs) Please. We're excited. We're excited about these. Bye. Thanks for listening.